Welcome to the 12 Days of Podcasts. This series of 12 perfect episodes of A Waste of Time with It's The Real is brought to you by the good people at Def Jam. Tonight, December 15th, Jeezy will be dropping his new album, Pressure. You might be wondering, who is this Jeezy? Well, go read a fucking book. Jeezy invented making it rain in the strip club. Jeezy got Andre 3000 and Jay-Z on a track together. Jeezy once offered to buy me an AK-47 for Christmas. You can't ban the snowman, but you can buy the album at jeezyshop.com. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. How are we doing in the 12 days of podcasts? We are on day three. Okay. We are going strong. All right, good. Do we feel like we're going to make it? Yes. Excellent. Well, that's the best news I have heard until right now, Jeff, because announcement, announcement, announcement... New York City, you've been asking, and we are here to deliver. On January 10th, we will be returning to the stage, hosting a live podcast, this time at SOB's here in New York City. Jeff, we're calling the evening It's The Real to SOB's. That's us. It's going to be a night filled with comedy, and we have a lot of fun things planned. If you've seen us already, you know. If you've missed us before, don't do it again. You know how our shows are. We're giving you fair warning. Get your tickets today, starting at noon Eastern Standard Time. Where, Jeff? At itsthereal.com. You should sound more sure. (laughs) At itsthereal.com. Okay, good. You don't want to be left out in the cold. January 10th, 2018, a live podcast from the legendary SOBs here in New York City. It's the real. Two SOBs. Itsthereal.com. Jeff, on the podcast today, we have Upscale Vandal. All right. Upscale Vandal. For anyone who wants to know exactly what he does, we are here to answer that question today. That is the one thing that we want to know. We talk about growing up in Brooklyn and Queens. We talk about hustling in the streets, rocking the dopest gear, lacing his car and brandishing weapons, getting locked up, getting advice from DJ Clark Kent who set him on the path he continues to this day. Man, we talk about working with Pharrell and BBC, his work with Emery Jones and Jay-Z and Rock Nation, working with brands, doing styling, doing fashion, and working with people like French Montana and Pusha T and J Balvin and more. And the greatest thing, Jeff, yeah, is that he never sells out and he has always maintained that same cool that he had as a kid. It's a great episode, day number three of the 12 Days of Podcast. When do you want to get into it? Right after I tell you that tomorrow we will be back with Carly Hustle. All right, another great episode. But when do we want to get into this one? Uh, right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Bag and Grams, a.k.a. Grandpa. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Covered in Paper, a.k.a. Rock. This uh, mic. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> <was> scared, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a waste of time with this, the real. Bow, 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 I don't make gun noises because I, I, I keep them. Mike, what's happening? What's going on, yeah? Everything's good. Thanks for coming up here. Of course. Thanks for having me. No, uh, last time we saw you, we were at a Complex Con. Yeah, yeah. Pusha was out there. Well, Jay Balvin. Jay Balvin, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, 50,000 hype beasts. Yeah. yeah. Us. yeah. Like yeah. everybody looked like Don and C. Yeah. <laughs> every, every, every parent in South Florida's credit card was out there. <laughs> Yo, on <clears throat> Sunday night, we were going to fly out, take a red eye, and the kids who were flipping shoes already on the floor. On the flight, right? Crazy. Oh, on the floor. Yeah, on the, yeah, 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 on, on the floor. floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nah, it was crazy, man. It was, it was a thing. It was a cultural thing that was like dope to see. I saw it from the first one. You know, I know Aaron from Reed Exhibitions who started Agenda, who's a partner in this situation. He's like, I guess, handles the logistics. And um, I've known him, and I know what they were going to do for a while. And I was like, man, I want to see how this shit comes to fruition and seeing it jump from – 
the first one to this one it was like kind of insane man. so what is the difference between like agenda at its like you know well agenda is the inside of the industry right it's like where the street where well fashion industry does business it's where wholesale and retail come together and meet and do their meetings that's kind of how that's where i got my start in the industry uh agenda just happened to be a streetwear centric one you know this guy aaron levin who's a very very good friend of mine and um also a very big inspiration to me um used to work in like you know different odds and ends surf jobs and this and that and like you know understood there was a void when he was in the industry for like specific you know a a, a trade show that was specific and what he did was like he hollered at some of like the brands that he knew needed to be in that space and rented out the hall of a chinese restaurant in long beach and put out like 10 tables got like out of the 10 tables i think he sold or gave away like four tables to brands that he knew and I think it might have been like Hurley or some other, you know, surf, yeah, yeah, yeah. skate yeah. brands. And that shit turned into a multi-million dollar business, you know, that, that we know as Agenda. And then he ended up selling the company and I think he still runs it. And uh, I don't really know the full details of the logistics, but like, you know, he's a genius and for him finding that. And now Agenda, like I'm, I'm sure you guys have been, right? It's like. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't been to Agenda. Oh, it's just like, it's just like Complex Com, but it's like a brand showing what's going to be except there's no cool shit like you go to do business right mm-hmm. like i'm going to show you what's here for the next six months you buy it because you know fashion works on a six-month cycle so um yeah i mean like you go there to find new brands you go there to like sell brands that are really popping and get chinese it, food and- <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um you know it was only the industry you know you can't just go you have to be an exhibitor or a sales rep or somebody or, or a buyer you have to have a store or a brand um and Complex Con is just like the consumer face version of that. And he added music and a live space. And, you know, obviously with Complex being the figurehead, they added these tastemakers and, you know, uh, cultural ambassadors like Takashi Murakami, like Jay Balvin, who was on the host committee, who's one of my clients. She was crazy, man. Did yeah. you see any brands there that you weren't aware of that you really fucked with like this year? No, nah, I know everything. Okay. No, nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> Nike. Nah, I'm just playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, nah, I'm just playing. Nah. nah, of course, Um, you know, Atelier New Regime, I was aware of, but they, you know, they came, you know, I've known about them and I hadn't seen them in the space and I met them last year at Complex Con and they continue to elevate, you know what I'm saying? It's a brand out of Montreal. Um, Who else? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of kids out there just doing their thing, man. It's it's ill. It's Did ill you stop by the Dell table? <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's that was a little bit crazy to see like how commercial, you know, it got. But that's business, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't have time because you know I had a whole booth myself, and you know, as you saw me, it was yep. kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you were alluding to when you yeah. saw me. It was like I saw you and I couldn't like. It, it was, was wild. Yeah, it, it was, was wild. No, you signed a couple autographs for us. We had to pay you a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> but it, was, it was really nice to see you. <laughs> nah, you lying. I, I, I know that because I charge a thousand. <laughs> so yeah, it couldn't have been me bamboozled um, where are you originally from uh, I'm from this area called Ozone Park which is on the borderline of East New York Brooklyn and uh, I guess Jamaica Queens mm-hmm. yeah. it's a really really interesting place to grow up you know I actually just had my boy Justin from Complex who does food grills I'm sorry he's uh, First We Feast yep. Complex mm-hmm. um, and I took him around my neighborhood because he wanted to try this pizzeria that's very very famous uh, where I'm from and, um, you know, the the beauty of where I'm from, and I think Clark will tell you this, is like I live literally on the block that's the borderline of one of the worst Brooklyn neighborhoods and like one of the, I guess, a weirdly populated middle class Queens neighborhoods. And growing up with that dichotomy, it's like you have 
two different types of goods and two different types of bads. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the John Gotti, John Gotti, the mob, you know, who everybody knows John Gotti, right. is from like seven minutes, like literally seven minutes from my house. Well, His I mean, house yeah. is seven minutes from my house. And like Goodfellas was shot in my neighborhood. Right. A lot of mob movies were shot in Ozone Park, right? Yeah. So then like, you know, that and then, but then right to the left of me is where like, you know, Pink House Projects, wow. you know, uh, Linden Plaza, mm-hmm. like a lot of notorious Brooklyn crime figures, yeah. Yeah. King Tut, all of these people, you know, that I don't know if you guys are familiar, but mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, are from there, yeah. you know, so it's like a very uh, strong line of like change, you know, from what organized crime is in Italians and then like, you know, Spanish and black people crime and, you know, whatever, however that's signified in, in race or whatever. But, yeah. you know, I grew up around that and, um, you know, I'm Colombian. Mm-hmm. So there was no Colombian people in Ozone Park. Like it's very few. I think there's well, some How did your now. family choose to live there? Uh, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Um, it's only good questions on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, um, well, my my dad, my dad's side of the family lived in Chicago, so I almost was like a Chicagoan, hmm. right? So like, I gave Kanye my spot, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what sure. I'm saying? <laughs> um, nah, but jokes aside, like, yeah, I, you know, they wasn't living in Chicago, and you know, um, my dad was was, uh, you know, he got sentenced to 17 years for a federal drug conspiracy, hmm. and um, he was back and forth. But I know he he lived in Queens, and my mom's was from Queens, from like Rigo Park. My grandmother lived in Rigo Park, and um, my uncle on my mother's side is was big into real estate, and he was looking for properties and areas to buy. And my my mom was looking for somewhere to to stay at the time, leaving uh, Rigo Park, and I think they settled, you know, on this place there. Um, I've lived in, the, I, you know, me and my sister ended up buying the house mm. that we grew up in. Wow, yeah. So like, I've lived in the same neighborhood my entire life. Um, you know, so, but yeah. Ozone Park isn't one of those places that will ever get like gentrified, probably, right? No, I mean they're trying to do that to East New York now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which they just got like I think like two billion dollars in funding from the city like two years ago. This bill passed, and they're trying to do that. But the problem with the problem with where I'm from is like there's nowhere else to go. Right. Like if you keep pushing us to the water, it's far rock. And nobody wants to live that far from the city. I mean, everybody loves living by the water. <laughs> no, not that water. No. Yeah, it's a little murky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a little murky. But um, no, like, you know, uh, where I'm from is very far from the city, you know. And I think gentrification has a lot to do with, you know, people moving from other, other areas, you know, and not being able to afford the rent. So they continue to push like Williamsburg Bushwick, yeah. which is not far, like is right there for me, is already gentrified. Yeah. But like, I think my shit is just a little too scary. Well, how much so. time did you spend even like going into Manhattan as a kid? Not not much, honestly. Um, You know, I didn't start going into Manhattan until like maybe f- 14, 15. I had a cousin. I have a cousin uh, who lived in Manhattan his whole life. Uh, he's a bartender and like a computer geek and he lived on 2nd Avenue and he was always like, I was always amazed by his lifestyle. I was like, man, you, you're you up at all times. You know about shit before anybody. And, like, he always used to put me on so much things. So I used to be allowed to visit him. And then when I started getting in trouble and going in the streets and having my own money, I used to go to the city and the Heights and the Bronx. And, you know, you start expanding. You went to the outside. Heights and the Bronx. Like, yeah. talk yeah. about, like, going far. <laughs> yeah. Well, How long well, were you well, on the subway? Well, 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 where I live, you know. I live on the A train. Yeah, I live on the grand stop of the A train. So you just got on and then and just, just stay for an, yeah. just fall asleep Slept and, and then, then wake yeah, up yeah. in another in forty five hours. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how long it is. Yeah, it's forty five hours and thirty two minutes <laughs> far from my house. Uh, what was your first job? Like, what did you do at fourteen? 
I've never. I've only had one job my whole life. Really? Yeah. And so, that's a boss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nah. Um, I worked at three one one. I worked at a call center. But yeah, yeah. So, so for the people who don't live in New York, you can call three one one for noise complaints or like a pothole or whatever, yeah. right? Or to curse me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like that's what? that's why I call. Oh, that would yeah, happen. Wh- why? Yeah. Why would why would people want to curse you out? I mean, it's New York. Just because you're on the other <laughs> side of the line. No, nah, it's yeah. just it's New York. Um, people want to curse people out just cause. Yeah. But like you're you're dealing with. I understood it. Like I didn't. You know, at first, like you know, I'm from the street, so it's yeah. like people would be like. You know, fuck you. Could curse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. You know, fuck you. I'm, a, I'm gonna kill your mom. And I'm like, well, you gonna have to. That's a long trip, bro. She <laughs> live in Colombia now. Like, if you see her, let her, let her know. You know what I'm saying shit is cool on this side or whatever. But you know, it's just a New York thing. Like, people was aggravated, and you know, the city has a lot of problems. You know, yeah. it's like I, we get a lot of complaints from you know New York City housing. You know, the projects and like people don't have heat and landlords and all this other these other problems that we have. And um, were I you understood good at it. your job? Yeah, I was I was really good actually. Um, it's funny because like, you know, I I had I had been in the street a little bit. I had I had got a lot of money already, mm-hmm. and then like shit went crazy. I was fighting a case, and then I got that job, and then you know I was the only one. These are all like middle class to lower class income people because the job doesn't pay that well, and we were subcontracted. So like it was at the Brooklyn Army Terminal, right? So you'd go and it'd be like a bunch of parolees. I didn't have no resume, right? So it's like a bunch of parolees, probationers, and all these people trying to just make a living. And I'm pulling up in like a you know a thirty thousand dollar charger with like twenty two inch rims and five TVs. And then motherfuckers like, what's up with this dude? And then like two weeks in, you know, I speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. So then they Prove offered it. me. <laughs> so they just me ofrecieron que hacer la otra la otra turna del trabajo. So now they offered me like the, the Spanish differential, mm-hmm. but the morning shift is crazy there because it's like a million calls. Right. And it's like you have to hit a quota and you have to. Hit a, and I just couldn't do it, man. And it was like, you know, we want there's a nighttime shift, but that shit's hard because if you fall asleep, you get fired. That's like that's what you're known for. There, yeah. Right. Like the city monitors the calls. And if you don't pick up a call or if you fall asleep on a call, you're done. Um. So it's tough. It's not an easy shift. But I was like, man, they pay double. They pay time and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I was getting um, uh, a $2 differential for Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like I went from making what everybody else was making to starting in the, the second month. I was making triple what everybody else was making. Well, so, but yeah, it was fun. you were already somebody who had money outside of this. So I had to do I had to do it had for to. like other reasons. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, let's just get back to that charger for a second. Um, <laughs> you had five, five TVs. You had two behind the headrests. You one, had one, one in the center down. console. Yeah, one oh, flip okay. down. Yep. That's I like two in the headrest, one in the console, one on the flip down, and one in the middle console. Like, I'm going to uh, be honest. That's too many TVs. Not if you have a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Because I had a PlayStation in there, too. Yeah, but were you were, driving, though? Um, yeah, it depends on, it depends. Like, it depends on what it was. It, like, sometimes I used to pull up to the barbershop, wait on my cut, and we'd be playing, like, fight night. You know what I'm saying? You, I'll just be outside. You can find me in my car. And yeah, like, yeah. Cool. Was there room for people to sit in the car, or was it just <laughs> all electronics? Yeah, no, nah, it was room. It was room. I had, like, it's just, vape, like, pimp my like, ride. Vape, like. I had, like, bape seats. I have pictures of it. I'll show it to you. You had, bape like, seats. Yeah, the whole car was redone with bape. Yeah. Um, which was, like, you know, I was in the street. You know, that's one of the things that kind of... That's how I started in the industry, really, was, like, when I was just in the street getting money, I was spending more money than everybody on everything. So, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, I was quiet. I didn't really know too many people on the streetwear scene. Like, I knew Ferris. I know you guys know yeah, Ferris, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. So, like, me and Ferris was cool. Ferris is somebody I always looked up to. And, like... He's a very short individual. That's I true. still looked up to yeah, him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ferris. Shout out to Ferris, Shout man. To Ferris, New yeah. York and a Queens legend. Um, and I used to see him at Bape and Pro, uh, Prohibit and all these places. And I started getting cool with all the people from those stores because when you're spending, you know, 10 grand a month at each of them. Oh, they yeah. better be nice to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, I used to go to Bape and I had a really strong plug at Bape. And this was like when it first opened because I used to was buy. Was it Nigo? Yeah. It was just I used to buy directly from him. <laughs> so, now nah, what a lot of people don't know is like back before Bape opened, everybody in New York used to buy their shit from this this girl. A lot of people thought it was a guy, but it was a girl named Pondon on eBay. Mm-hmm. And she had like a Japanese address and all that, but she had people that worked in New York. Hmm. And her, I don't know how many people know this from that era, but her apartment was on um, on Bleecker Street. So like when they opened Bape, it was easy for her to just like finesse the line and then continue to do her resale shit. Um, so I met Ferris and I met a bunch of those people, like I said, and, and um, the first car I ever bought was a dot, was that car and, uh, I had like I had the reupholstery redone with Bape, like le- black leather with Bape heads on the chest, on the emblems of the you know the front. There was this company in Florida that changed like the emblems on the car, so I had like Bape heads all over the emblems instead of Dodge. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Dude, uh, this is a lot. Like, I'm gonna show you because I don't think y'all will believe me, so I'm gonna just show it to you. I, honestly, I don't believe anything you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's 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 why I love that's why I love Instagram, right? Because it's like a real life documentation, right? Like, and pictures, like you know, I don't know how long you guys have known about my social media, but like I, I actually, just found out about it when you came up here. Yeah, so I, I, I actually, you know, I just started showing my face. Like I always hated that because right. I felt like. First of all, it's like not a real nigga thing to do to take pictures, like all in smileys and selfies and all that shit. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just not how I grew up. I don't like taking pictures. But, um, you know, I used it as like a documenting purpose because people used to be like, yo, you got all this shit going on Instagram. I'm like, nah, it ain't for them. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have like MySpace or Facebook when when social media was it. I was in the street. Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. I was like, I, the opposite thing to do is to be on Instagram showing what you have, right? Right. right. So, you know, I used it as like a documenting purpose. Like, yo, how, when were you on this? Okay, scroll back to my timeline because I was on that before you. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the car right here. So this is, um, these are the bay pads on the seats. Oh my God. See? That's real. Yeah. And then, uh, as you can see, the headrest is a lot bigger because they had to remodel it for the TV. So those, those are the rims. You know what I'm saying? Did you send it down to Florida to get? Nah, they send me everything. So look, you see the bay pad on the joint? <laughs> That's crazy. Did the cops look out for you? Uh, no. Nah, you know they they the cops is never gonna never gonna support this. You right, know. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, mean, I had like, a, I meant like look out for you like. Yo, oh yeah, I had yeah, a budget yeah. for tickets a month. Did you? Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to put. I had like a sneaker box that I used to put money in, and the sneaker box said tickets on it because I, you know, and I, of course it had music and the tents were presidential black. Like, um, they here go the TVs in case you didn't believe me. Damn. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a uh, fourteen inch. By the way, we could, there's some people that got that that's in their crib too right now. Much yeah. stuff. <laughs> nah, when you when you young man and you got money, is you just want to live, man. Yeah. Okay. What year is this? Yeah. I can't even remember. Uh shit. This was probably like, probably like oh seven and like oh six oh seven. And so you're in high school. You got all this. No, no, no. I was in high school. I graduated high school in oh uh, five. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So. When you got out of high school, I was already that nigga in high school. No bullshit. Like, you know, a lot of people recently. I had a conversation with somebody. And it was like, man, you know, you, um, you're the most 
a braggadocious, humble person I know. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because the thing is this, like, um, I used to be real quiet about, like, when people like, yo, you killing? I'd be like, nah, man, you know, that whole Hove thing. Like, I learned that from Hove. Like, yeah. yo, you the illest nigga ever? Nah, I ain't. No, I'm not. <laughs> right? Like, it's right. the cool thing to do. But yeah. then, like, you know, recently on social media, I've been, like, seeing so many people I went to high school with pop up and hit me and, you know, DM me. Like, man, you you were... And, I, and it's funny because, like, I have conversation with a lot of these. Like, my, shout out to my man, Elon, who I just reconnected with, a good friend of mine in high school who's like, man, you know, I posted the picture with Biggs um, because we're releasing that Rock Air Force One this mm -hmm, week. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yo, this is so crazy. You you literally said you were going to do all this. So I'm going to show you guys a picture of my... Of my uh, of my room in high school the only posters i had was rock like i wore air force ones i had a new pair of air force ones every day like you know it's just who i always wanted to be and whoever everybody thought i would end up being you and wanted like, to be dame dash right yeah <laughs> i wanted to be more hove than dame i'm from brooklyn so yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying like but um you know well, i that, just thought like you know a bunch of shoes laying around yeah, yeah. new shoes but, every day but like that energy that you know that i got from them propelled me to you know, inspired me to do it, and and I'm here, and it's like, it's surreal. It's you know, yeah. it's real. It's surreal to, to for that to happen. But to, like, but to go back to then, if you're a senior in high school and you're that guy, mm -hmm. you're working, but you also have that other money. You're you're out here, and I wasn't working. I like I said, I never like my first thing I ever did like organized was um, uh, me and my sister uh, had a restaurant. It was the first thing we ever did. What's the age difference between you guys? My sister's like uh, eleven years older than oh, me. Oh, okay, like, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. No, she's nine years older than me. Sorry, she's yeah. gonna she's gonna kill me. If she hears <laughs> and she brought you in to be part of that restaurant. So this is, so this is real quick. This yeah. is my this is my this is my bedroom. So mind you, this Beanie is me. At, this is me yep. at eighteen with a firearm, <laughs> a Lockman watch. Look at my chain. Yep. Yep. Like. And this is a Beanie Siegel poster. Look at the, both Beanie Siegel posters. If you look up here, these are all the covers that Hove was on. See the vibe. Yep. I mean, so was, that, was that Jamal Anderson Falcons jersey right Jamal there? Jamal Anderson Falcons mm -hmm. jersey. Yep. No throwback. This is when he was actually playing. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See the posters? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. This is like, it's documented. Man. But, I don't have no reason to, you know, no, no reason to front. Who but, took that picture? Uh, my man, Ronnie. Yeah, he was like, dude, I was always with. And he's always like, yo, man, like, let's take pictures with all your guns so we don't got to take them to school. And like, <laughs> motherfuckers just know. And I'm like. All right, that's a great idea because if we get into some shit at school, I'm gonna be like, look at my gun picture. Look at, I will go home and get this. Don't make me bring this tomorrow after you, after you take all my shit. You know what I mean? So, but you had these, you had these big dreams, and and certainly you had these Rockefeller posters. So, how do you, in your mind, get to whatever that is, and what is that that you want to get to? No, I mean, no, it's no such thing as like. I, I'm not gonna sit here and lie like I had a strategy. I didn't. I just knew that um, as I kept going and the people that I would interact with, I'd always get that energy from them. Like Clark, who you know connected us and made this happen. Like you know, I met Clark at an early age, like I said, 2008, like when I was still in the thick of things. And I used to hang out with people from other cities, like people from other cities, like Chicago, who has a huge influence on my career. You know, shout out to my man Zoe from Fashion Geek and. Vic from Leaders, who used to come to New York, and we met through, like, people that knew I had everything. Like, yo, this dude in New York has all the bait. He got all, like, hit him up. He'll plug you up. And when you got money and you in New York and, like, you go places, you know, that's how you get respect here. Like, you spend money and people show you love. It's like that, uh, 
that one hand wash the other thing you know what i'm saying that hundred dollar handshake you mm -hmm. know what i mean so um i always just had, got well taken care of and i knew that hospitality and like having those connections was the key to good relationships so you know i met these people and they would come and i'd make sure i rolled out the red carpet and make sure they were safe in my city make sure they had everything they needed they were taken around and they showed me the same love in their cities so my name started growing through those channels and then like you know meeting clark and clark would always see me around and he'd be like man i know what you're doing and i was like duh like he doesn't know what i'm doing but he's like you know you you're wasting your talent like your talent is a lot bigger than this and meeting more people that that i respected telling me that was like man they're right like this shit's fucked up well what did you think your talent was i didn't think i had a talent because it didn't, being who i was came naturally to me mm -hmm. you know like being honest being quiet being true being respectful understanding my surroundings which is a big thing like people don't value those things people don't even realize that that's an asset is realizing your surroundings is very important who to talk to when to talk when to shut the fuck up that's gold you know and most people don't have those character traits right now you know what i'm saying especially these kids that like you know you sit in a room with some of these kids and all they do is run their mouth and you just like this he doesn't have what it takes you know what i'm saying he doesn't know how to analyze a room so having these things because i was raised by certain people and raised a certain way like even in the in the crime aspect, right? Like my parents, you know, my parents um, come from an era of the drug trade that is being documented now on TV. So imagine growing up with the understanding of what that lifestyle is. Then the street shit doesn't impress you. Like I'm not impressed by this was talking about like, yo, I got the crack in my sock. Like that sounds poor to me. You sound poor. Right. You should have the crack in your. You shouldn't you know, have crack in your at dodge all. Dodge charger, right? No, no. You shouldn't have crack at all. You should have a brick. You should have a brick of raw and sell that to ten niggas who selling crack. Then you that nigga, like that's how I understood it, because I didn't know what was going on, you know. So I just like my mom's friends all just were rich, beyond what I knew was rich in the hood. Like what I thought was rich in the hood quickly changed because my parents was like they were the ones that were like nah like look and you know my dad you know i'd go visit my dad my dad he got you know so much time that i'd go visit him and he'd be they'd, they'd shift him from jail to jail you know he used to be at like fort Dix and then skook hill and all these penitentiaries that are you know federal federal penitentiaries and i'd go to visit him and be like yo that guy over there he's you know i'd see like this old jewish guy in you know state greens and his whole family feeling like what the hell could he have done like he's not a killer he's like nah everybody in the feds at that time there wasn't like there'd be one or two serial killers but it was all like big money plays and they yo this you guy he did this money laundering thing and he got you know this is me learning this shit at 11 12 not you know yeah so That's like, like how does that how does that shape your worldview <laughs> it doesn't shape it until later because you're just like oh, okay like I think my friends would know about this, right? You're a kid. You don't talk about to your friends about those type of things, and you know it's not something you publicize. You don't want your friends to know that your parent, that your mom or your dad went to jail. That's something that you hide. Mm -hmm. So you're like, you know, you keep it to yourself. But you think, oh, they have to know, right? There's other people that know about. But little do you know, nobody knew none of that because all my parents, all my friends' parents were like regular people, you know. So, but did you think that like, all right, my father's in jail? serving 17 years did you think to yourself that's not the route that i want to go absolutely like absolutely like you know i never i never want to involve myself in any of that and, I, and like my sister is the prime example my sister's never done anything illegal in her entire life ever like 
she she used to be like a knucklehead at one point as a rebellious like she got into this i remember she, like i always joke with her about it because like um her boyfriend at the time was a latin king and they used to boost polo you guys will know you guys know what low lives are mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so yeah. her all her friends were low lives like uh my cousin alex uh they had this friend named uh, leroy it was like a group of them mm -hmm. and they were they were who taught me how to dress and who i looked up to and they was wild man and they used to have this car club called underworld and all they would do was go to car shows so they can steal people's cars mm. <laughs> and my sister was on that shit for like a strong two years like a like a driver no, no, like she had her own car and would steal people's shit to put it on her car. Oh, okay, gotcha. Or like she would have people steal shit for her car. Like, yeah, it but, was a crew. But she of didn't them. do anything illegal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's just you know regular Grand Theft Auto, nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy. Yeah. Like, but you know, um, she had like a quick run in with the law, and then that was that was it. Mm -hmm. You know, and my sister. And then she turned to USPA, and that you know now <laughs> yeah. she's living my straight and narrow. My sister is actually my biggest inspiration. I always tell people this because. My sister's the one that taught me that living a regular life is the most valuable thing you can live in. When I say a regular life, like, you know, having two children, having a savings fund, like, all of those shits are the real juice of life. Like, I know mad people that had it all, went, lived in Maldives and all of this, and then now they broke. And they don't got shit because they didn't know what really mattered. And my sister's the one that kept me in line mm. with that. My sister works, like... She works, she's so consistent with everything she does. You know, she she works for an airline company now. But, you know, she worked at a doctor's office for 12 years. And then she worked at a, um, a tow truck company for six years. And she's really diligent. And my sister is funny because out of all the people I know with tons of money that sold dope and or, or like people that we were related to that got in trouble, she was always the one that bailed everybody out. Mm -hmm. Like my sister put my bail up mm. when I got locked up. Mind you, I got like. $200,000 worth of clothes in my closet. <laughs> right. But my sister, who doesn't have more than five pairs of sneakers, is the one who bailed me out. So it put things into perspective for yeah. you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, when I was a kid, it wasn't, that's not what I wanted to do. It just the allure of breaking the law. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So you meet Clark Kent. And yeah. And Clark tells you there's a better way. A lot of people told me at that time, but yeah, Clark was one of the people that I respected because. And by the way, Clark will absolutely take credit. So it doesn't, yeah. doesn't, matter, doesn't matter how many other people. Clark, Clark, it's funny because Clark, you know, uh, um, when people talk about like you know Clark's discoveries, I'm like, and then and then like Clark would be like, yeah, I did, you know, yeah. <laughs> give you that like that, yeah, man, you know what I'm and I'm just like, that's so Brooklyn of him, you know. What I'm saying? So he's an amazing person. So you meet him, but what what does he give you to sort of send you in a certain direction? Um, you want me to be honest? Yeah, he yeah. he he snapped on me. Really? Yeah. In in there's a certain circle of people, you know, as OGs that um their way of accepting you is by sunning you. Mm -hmm. And that's a very rare thing. Like if I met you now and I started busting on you, like you'd be like, fuck this guy. Right. <laughs> like it'd be funny for a minute, but then you'd be like, fuck this guy, right? But in that era of things, that was their way of accepting you. It was like you getting your you know, you're getting your, your Get stripes. Your wings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, I was around Mayor, who you guys have yes. to know, right? Yeah. Mayor. So I'm at Complex Content. Mayor, yeah, Clark. Yeah, we're sneakerheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you guys wearing now? Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I you were fucking Birkin, you were wearing Birkenstocks when I, when, I, when I pulled up, right? That's right. Well, I am white. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like being around Mayor, Clark, Safe, you know, um, who else? Dave, Jeff, you know, these people who all come from similar backgrounds as myself and were being paid a lot of money to do what I liked. 
um, they started letting me around more. Like they'd invite me to all these sneaker con and all this other weirdo shit that they have for <laughs> sneakers, like where guys meet each other and take pictures of their sneakers. And I'd go and I'd be like, yo, this is crazy. You guys got paid to be here. And they're like, yeah, and you can too. And they'd bust on me, they'd joke on me. And like at the time I was dressing real extra, right? Like, <laughs> real extra. And that's when I started getting close with the clips too. Like, well. Oh, so you were wearing like all over print? You were wearing. No, I was on, <laughs> I was past that phase. I was wearing like, uh, uh, I was doing like the Ryan Kenny button up shirts over like pink salmon sweaters. Mm. Oh, you're right. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then like, like red frames. Yeah. yeah, red frames, <laughs> like Tom Ford red glasses and. Motherfuckers would be like, yo, you look like Kanye and Fonsworth <laughs> Bentley had a son and then took him to Columbia. Like, you know, a bunch of shit. But, but Was that I, Clark who said that? Yeah. Clark yeah. used to say everything, man. Clark used to kill me, man. I have a video that I don't know if he'll share it, but he's like <laughs> killing me about the bait car. He's like, who the fuck would put bait? Like, you a hype beast in my job. That wasn't even a thing yet, right? Right. But it was ill, man. And like I knew that them doing that was because they wanted to see if I could if I had the yeah. character to stand up. And and man, that that's what got me. That's one of the things that got me in the industry. So you start going to these shows, you see what it is. Yeah. At that point, where do you see yourself? I didn't know. You know, I was like, man, how do I sell the sauce? Like I'm not, you know, how do I sell this? And then I got locked up. Um and then over something that like not that it's worth it, but like something that I guess how worth it was it? I don't know. Being locked up saved my life. Really? Hell yeah. Because if I wouldn't have stopped, if I wouldn't have stopped being involved in the things I was involved in, I would have either ended up doing a real prison term. I'm talking about 10 joints Mm -hmm. or more. You know, my case was serious. Mm -hmm. You know, I came out, my first, the first offer they gave us as a conspiracy was, and this was my first full offense, my first felony offense was seven years. I mean, I'm sorry, it was 10 years. And then I copped out to seven years with a lot of different stipulations, like time, they gave me two years plus the time I had served, um, you know, and I came home on five-year aggressive probation. I just got off probation in June of this this last year. Is that why you've been, because you've been putting up some pictures on Instagram of like uh, court dates. No, no, that's a, that's a different thing? <laughs> so I just recently caught a stupid case <laughs> for an assault that's really stupid. Um, but again, those are the things that happen, right? And I've been putting up those pictures because it's like I stood, I, I I stood off probation because it, my my probation was really aggressive. Like I couldn't, if I got rearrested for anything, it let it left grounds open for them to reopen my case mm-hmm. and me serve the full amount of my time. So, for example, like let's say I did four years. So I did two years time served, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I did the time that I was locked up fighting my case, um, which was about a year and change. They gave me that as two years jail time, time served, right? So, which is a lot of time, period, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to be ever locked up. Like, yeah. That's the most any nigga ever in life tells you that it's worth going to jail for is lying. Sleeping next to 50 motherfuckers, motherfuckers telling you when to eat, when to piss. Like, that shit is not humane. Like, I'll never do anything to go back there, right? So I took the plea deal and the the uh you know stipulations of the plea deal was if I got rearrested, you know, I'd have to go back and retry my case and I can do the rest of the time. So like, let's say I did four years probation, no nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And then I get rearrested for some drugs, I'd have to go do five years, which was the balance of my time. Mm-hmm. No matter that I was home for three years on right. probation. Mm-hmm. 
So like that shit's scary. You know what I'm saying? So I was I was walking on pins and needles for a long time and being in the spotlight for certain reasons and being where I come from and not leaving where I'm from, it leaves you vulnerable to a lot of things. And you know, a lot of people, you know, I had a you guys know who Casanova is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I had a conversation with Casanova about this because you know, you deal with this shit like you trying to get out. You yeah. trying to get fully out. But you know, there's always going to be something to try to pull you back in. And I stood pretty clear of that, you know what I'm saying? And then just recently, finally after getting off probation, you know, I, it was some random situation. And again, one little night swinging on one person can mm-hmm. change everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was right back in handcuffs. It didn't matter anything. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how many people know you, how well you look, how professional you are, how sober. If you have a felony on your record in any penal system, you're a criminal. So when you get locked up, they treat you like a criminal. Mind you, the night that this assault happened, I was the only sober person, like out of everybody that was involved. Right. And everybody else that's involved was like, yo, we got this. Like, we don't want nothing to happen. But I'm the first person in handcuffs. I'm the first person at the precinct. I'm the first person with a charge. Mm. I've been to court three times and they don't want to drop this charge, even though they're not pressing charges on me. Like the DA is continuing to press against me getting this assault charge. So, you know, that's the shit that kind of opens your eyes and be like, man, you know, you as hard as you try, you got to just remove yourself from the shit. You know what I'm saying? So um, are you allowed to talk about this, by the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, fuck them. OK. <laughs> you know. when, 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 when you were sent away, did you want people to visit you? Did you want your sister to visit you? No, no, no. Hell no. Hell no. A couple people did visit me and, and like um, it wasn't good. Like, you know, uh, the girl I was dating at the time came to see me. And, um, you know, this is something, this is something like, this was super foreign to her. You know, she had never been with anybody from that. And like the first day she came to, I was, I was in the Bronx first at the, in the bar on the barge, which is like a very far off prison and is a little bit nastier than most, like the process to get in the COs is extra, you know, just like Rikers. Right. But like, I mean, there's no good prison. (laughs) Nah, there no lie there is like there's there's places where they people understand you're doing a certain amount of time so they're a little bit more lenient and easier on your family right but like the bronx these people are local they don't give a fuck like it's bad you know Mm -hmm. they treat like visitors like criminals you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying so you know the girl i was dating was like i want to come see you and i was like all right come and like the first day like she took a two-hour trip you know she was far took a two-hour trip she got lost you know and when she gets there they're like you're, you can't come in like and I hadn't heard from her so I was worried so when I get back off the like I didn't have a visit so when I go back upstairs to call her she's like crying hysterically she's like they didn't want to let me in because of my laptop and I went and I was like man don't come back mm. like you know don't come back uh, but I had a couple homeboys that came to visit me and like they'll bring me my packages and shit it was mm-hmm. cool and so when you get out what's that what's that first day out like um <laughs> Like every other first day out, like get some food, fuck some, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's it. And but it was back it was it was time to get time to get focused. Like it was tough, man, because I depended on my sister for everything at the time. Like I didn't have no money and my sister held me down, you know, no rent, you know what I'm saying? Like fed me. And um then I just started getting onto the hustle. Uh, you know, I started making uh bracelets, T shirts. I used to make these bracelets with the girl I was the girl I was telling you about. She yeah. was a designer and Everybody always wanted to wear the shit I was wearing. So she's like, yo, you need to just start recreating the shit you wear and sell it to people. You know, so that's what we did. And those are the ones that, like, um, like Big Sean, yeah. you sold it to him. So, no. So what happened was, um, you know, you guys know Goliath? 
in Harlem? Yeah. All right, so Rosemary was like, yo, bring me some of these bracelets. And, like, I didn't know how to wholesale or anything like that, so I just brought them, and she started selling them to, like, every rapper that came in. <laughs> so I'd be seeing, like, Big Sean or whoever, and she got they got them from there. So I started selling them to more stores. But during that same time, I started, um, I became an assistant stylist mm-hmm. to April Roumette. Mm-hmm. Who is a long-term legendary stylist? And who is she working with? Everybody, Nas, Santi Gold. My first clients with her was Santi Gold, mm. and then Nas, and then Sean. <laughs> and what were you? What was your role in all this? I mean, obviously, like you were. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, independently, my first client was French Montana. Okay. Yeah. Mm. This was I did the I did two videos for him, and then I did Chinks too. Rest in peace. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was ill, man. That was on my own. Like independently, she taught me how to pull and how to do shit, and then I got French for this magazine and like the the DVD hired. This was the DVD era. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like this DVD hired me to style him, and French was like, "Yo, where you get all this shit from?" And I'm like, <laughs> and "You were like Versace." Yeah, <laughs> no, I was like, just my sh- this eBay. most of it was yeah. my shit. Mm-hmm. Most of it was shit that I pulled from my own archives. And he's like, "Yo, let me get your number. Let's let's work on something." And I ended up. I and this is so crazy. Look. The I so the DVD didn't want to pay me what I was thing like mm-hmm. what I was so I told French and he was like look I don't know how that shit works I'll take care of it mm-hmm. on another so I'll give you another look mm-hmm. so he called me for the shot caller video mm-hmm. y'all remember that song? yeah of course his first song yeah, yeah. so I I styled by the way the, the only thing I haven't known so far is the barge <laughs> <laughs> everything else that's been uh you know on the straight and narrow I have known it's a it's a the reason it's called the barge is because it's actually a boat on the water they mm-hmm. call it the love boat too. Well, um, yeah, there's not much the love that goes on, <laughs> no. but yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, um, so I sh- we shot the first day, right? And he's like, "Man, I need some more sauce for tomorrow. It's a two day shoot." And I get locked up. I get because I was fi- like going through fighting the case at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get locked up the second day, and I couldn't sh- finish the shoot. Uh, yeah, that sucks. And I called him. I call. I call his man Mitch. Um, who's still with him actually? And I was like, "Yo, tell French, I'm in lockup." You know, that was like the second call I made. <laughs> it was I, I called my sister and then I called because I didn't want to look bad. Yeah, you know yeah. So yeah, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Shout out to French Montana. Can you watch that video anymore? I have a video of him calling me the most swag person ever. Oh, that's dope. It's on YouTube. Yeah, uh, he calls me masterful. Actually, that's his word for me. Masterful. He's like, "Yeah, this is you got the ma- you masterful." <laughs> it's, it's pretty ill. French is that dude. Nah, he's a great guy, he man. Is. He's a great guy. After you get out. Yeah. So we go back to styling. We go back to making these bracelets. And then I knew styling wasn't for me because the, the the business of styling is nasty, man. It's a nasty business. So styling's not for you, but but making making accessories. That, yeah, that also wasn't really for me, but I like the sales part of it. Right. Well, right. of course. Yeah. So the then, money part, yeah. So this is what happened, like. The way I transitioned into actually having a job, like a career in the shit, was um some of the people that I had known in the that I had known in the industry that were store owners and was like, yo, man, you need to be a rep, a sales rep. Mm-hmm. So because I was a stylist, I used to go to showrooms and marketing offices a lot to pick up clothes mm-hmm. that were pulled. And I was like, man, what is this guy doing? What is that guy doing? What is that guy doing? So um I went to the foundation showroom who at the time, you know, they're one of the first streetwear showrooms to ever, you know, start selling streetwear specifically. So right now they sell, like, I think they sell BBC, they sell Kappa, they sell a bunch of shit. Um, and at that time, they were like, look, we don't have any internship positions available, but I know this guy, I'm going to plug you with him. His name is Dean Singh. And he was starting this brand with uh, called Private Stock Denim with John Kuhn. Mm-hmm. John is a, a young Asian kid who, like, 
started this patent for some like car parts or some shit like that and he got rich and he wanted to make clothes and his family had the factories in China hmm. so he started making he actually owned the license for 8732 which is Young Jeezy's yeah line. right right so um, I started doing the sales for private stock for the low for dirt cheap <laughs> I mean you were I'm, I'm surprised that you were even looking for like an internship position because that seems even low for what you were doing um well just because I had no back like you know I'm at that time I'm you know what 26 years old 25 years old some shit like that yeah like 25 26 maybe 25 going on 26 you know no experience in the industry only names that could co-sign for me no resume no job experience you got a record i I got a record i didn't know how to i didn't know how to use instagram yeah no instagram (laughs) i didn't know how to use excel i didn't know how to use outlook i didn't know how to do none of that but you were willing to learn of course yeah but but i knew more about fashion and the actual product than anybody Mm-hmm. How tough is that to explain to people who it's like? It's very simple. Who, oh, for for me, yeah, that's what so got me by. Because no, because these are all people who like know the language and the vernacular and all that, and you come. They in, don't know more than me, right? But ha- that's what it is, of course. So if I sit with a guy who owns a denim company, yeah, and he can't tell me by looking at my jeans the ounce on my denim, mm-hmm. he don't know more than me, right? So if I walk into a meeting and I'm like, oh, you got the Kahara, da 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 da, and he's like. Like what? <laughs> That's exactly what happened, by the way. Like I met with John and them, and he's like, "Oh, you got these um, Momo Taros? They're seventeen ounce. You got the gold rivets on them with the blue salvage. They only made those in two thousand six. And he's like, doesn't know shit. Mind you, this guy owns a fucking two million dollar denim production house. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And he and said that- to you. And he, and he kind of was jealous. Okay. And then that's why he fired me. <laughs> like, yeah, he fired me because I just, so I was growing his company. So private stock wasn't doing shit. Then me and Dean and Adrian took the brand from doing like nothing to doing like 50000 a season to like 100000 a season to then they put me on this other brand called Domenico Vaca, who's an actual very well-known suit maker, wanted to do a denim line. Mm-hmm. And John paid for the license and we were doing Domenico Vaca and we started selling that shit. And... You know, like shit just kept jugging, and they was like, "How does this nigga know so much?" And he just felt like an ego thing. So the first like slip up I had, I had probation at the time. Mm-hmm. So one time I had a probation hold, and I had to stay at probation for two days, mm-hmm. like back to back. And um, he, and he fired wasn't me. It. Yeah, yeah, he fired me. Mm. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because then Pusha, um, uh, no, I'm sorry. Then who was it that gave me Loik's number? I had known Loik, who mm-hmm. works with Pharrell. Yep. He's BBC's brand, like overall brand manager. And mm-hmm. Phil, who was also the brand manager. Places from, and Spaces. Yeah. yeah. So I've known those guys that work with Pharrell from the BBC store because I used to spend bread there. <laughs> and they always recognized me. But Rock, like Jay and Pharrell had done a, a deal to relaunch BBC at Rock Apparel. Right. And they were looking for people to staff. On the Rock side, because Rock managed it, although they had an internal BBC staff in their Rock offices. Right. Um, I'm trying to think who gave me that number because I don't want to miscredit somebody. But somebody was like, look, they're hiring. So I called everybody I knew. Just think of me calling everybody. And they got me an interview with Tanya Bryson from Rock and Ronnie DeMichael. And I go to the meeting and they're like, look. The BBC team tells us, you know, I had to get interviewed by both teams. Mm-hmm. The BBC staff is like, you got it from our end. Rock just has to approve you. So then I'm I'm in a meeting with Tanya and Ronnie DeMichael from Rock and 
they don't know anything. No disrespect to them. Ronnie is still around and I love him, but they don't know the fashion. They know well, they, business. They knew, the, they knew the macro level. They didn't know they the know micro business. Level. They know business. They know business. They're that's what they are. They're CFOs and brand they don't know like Tanya couldn't tell you like who Brendan Babazine is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So by the way, I also I can't not, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> really? You guys don't know who Brendan is? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> like one of the creative directors. He used to be the creative director of Supreme. He owns Noah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean now I can. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wait, ask me, ask me. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so Brendan Babazine, you know him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. From Supreme. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Noah, Noah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, you know, they uh they didn't know that. So they I think it wasn't translating to them and I kinda sensed it. And then like Emery walks in. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he was like, what's up? <laughs> and he goes, um, I'm, and I was like, Emery. And he's like, yeah. Mind you, no Instagram, no right, nothing. Right, right. Right. But I'm from where I'm from. So Emery <laughs> meant more to me than anybody in the yeah, room. Yeah. And I what? got the call the next day that they hired me. Mm. And it was Emery. It was Emery's choice. Emery was like, he, he's, he's the guy. He looks the look. And that was it. We were inseparable since that day. Like, Do you want to know how we met Emery? <laughs> yeah. Um, we were at some sort of Hot 97 show at SOB's okay. and Ebro comes over and he's like, yo guys, I want to introduce you to, to a friend of mine. We're like, all right, cool. So we go over to the bar and this dude is just standing there by himself and he's like, oh, this is my friend Emery and he works for BBC and we're just like, British Broadcasting Corporation, cool, like fine, <laughs> yeah. whatever, right? And Doesn't look like the type, but I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah. No, he wears glasses at the time, so we're like, <laughs> all right, sure. Know, yeah. Like, uh, Ebro is a very cosmopolitan person. Yeah, you know, yeah. he has a lot of friends in different places. So Emery's like, so Ebro's like, oh, these are my guys. It's the real, and like, they know, you know, they're hip hop nerds. They know, they love Rockefeller. They know all this stuff or whatever. And he's like, oh, you know Rockefeller? What do you know about Rockefeller? We're like, ask us anything. We know everything about Rockefeller, except right? who you are. And then, yeah, and then he goes, <laughs> and then he's just like, he's like, maybe you know me. And we're just like, we look at him for a second, and we're like. We're like, did you do? Did you do a twelve-year bid? And he was just like, my guy. <laughs> and, hey. and, 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 and ever since then, like, we've it's been, funny. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna. You're pretty trustworthy. Your face is trustworthy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna accept that he said you might know who I am because that doesn't sound like an Emery thing to say. I think he he did. did he something. did. He might have yeah. reworded it differently. Something. Though. He's like, oh, so da da da. Like, I don't. I just never heard him ever. He's he said, so listen, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know he's who so I am. Quiet and docile as yeah. a person. Yeah. Like, no, he's the greatest. And like, we've run into him all over the country, yeah, yeah. and he's just like no, always he's been. A, listen, man, he's uh, the best. He's my big brother. One of my biggest inspirations. A lot. I owe a lot of my career to him. Um, I talk to him every day. A waste of time with It's The Real's 12 Days of Podcast is sponsored by the good folks at Def Jam Recordings who have the hottest projects dropping this holiday season. Today is the day, guys. Go to iTunes, Tidal, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Pandora, wherever. Type in Jeezy and press play on his fantastic new album, Pressure. If you love rap music, press play. If you love truth in your music, press play. If you love inspiration in your daily life, press play. If you love storytelling, press play. If you love anthems, press play. If you love collaborations with 2 Chains, YG, Kodak Black, Trey Songs, Puff Daddy, T Grizzly, Rick Ross, and more, press play. And if you haven't pressed play on that dynamic single, American Dream, featuring J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar, then just stop everything you're doing, turn the volume up, and blast that right now. Pressure is real hip-hop. Jeezy is real hip-hop. 
Go to jeezyshop.com right now. They have exclusive album and merch bundles and support this legend. Let's show these fraudulent rappers and fraudulent trappers what snow is really all about. Just Man, a small thing crazy. about Emery is that um, I'm not sure people understand how... Influential? Well, influential, but also like how how detailed right. his pieces are. Nah, man. Like, because we have a friend who is like, yo, he's like, I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of the Paper Planes logo. He's right. like, but I'll wear the hat because it's so well made. And what it represents. Yes. You know, there's a story behind the plane and like they wrote an amazing piece that's like, you know, the Paper Plane is the first way that a kid from the projects escapes the projects. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, this shit went global a paper plane going global is a different thing. Like, I don't know if you guys recently saw like Neymar wearing it and mm -hmm. like Bieber wearing it. Yeah. And it's like, this is another version of a rock logo. And for them to recreate that four and five times, meaning like, you know, they can create a stamp that that you feel like you're a part of something. And, you know, we we launched this while we were there. Like, I, rock apparel was reshifting while I was there and there was a lot of changes being made. And that's why me and Emery got so close because what he gave me in wisdom, I gave him in, you know, deep direct-to-consumer knowledge and trying to hip him to, like, how to translate the language he spoke to the kids that he needed to get it to. And that, that was our synergy. And, um, man, like, you know, I forced him to start an Instagram you know, <laughs> I, I you know I don't know if he you, know, you guys probably heard because he says it all the time like you know he he didn't want to do Instagram, mm -hmm. and we sat and I, I wrote a strategy for him because I didn't want to do Instagram. So I, me and him related so well because of our backgrounds, and like coming from where we come from and like having the felonies and all of those things. Like there's an understanding of how you have to navigate through this world when you come from that. And me giving him all the knowledge that I had that he may not have because he wasn't on the ground level with the kids. And then him giving me the OG knowledge of it and how to navigate through those waters, man, was like, man, we kind of we kind of became a duo that was unstoppable. So, like, what were your official duties at that time? So, I be I was the sales I was the sales rep for BBC. So for a while, I was I was the sales rep for BBC uh, for the Northeast. Then they gave me like six months later, they gave me the South and the Northeast, mm. and then they gave me the Midwest, the South, and the Northeast. <laughs> I ended up, much left. Yeah, and then I, <laughs> then I took over the whole country, and I was the sales manager for the entire U.S. territory. And then my partner, who was doing, my, his name was Oliver. He was doing BBC when I got there. Um, he now does no vacancy in and mm. a bunch of other things. Um, very well known, but um, he was doing. Then he went to do ice cream because we had relaunched ice cream, mm -hmm. and then I was doing. Then we relaunched B. Then we launched Beeline with Mark McNary. So mm -hmm. I was doing. That and then we launched Black for BBC. So we had it's three. pronounced six lakh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had three divisions, and I was running all of them. Um, it was kind of crazy. At Were that you time. always on a plane? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, nah. To be honest, like, I think that was one of my divides with working for somebody was they, you know, at that time the model there was like the work is done from your desk, and that's not how I work because you know I never had a desk. Right. Except for three one one. <laughs> right. Well, I didn't even. I didn't even stay in my cubicle. I didn't even yeah. stay in my cubicle. I was one of the problems. Like I just kind of did whatever the fuck I've always wanted to do because I have a a different way of seeing business. You know, this is my office mm -hmm. right here. You know, what I'm saying like, um. So yeah, you know, uh, I ended up taking over the whole country, and then there was some internal structural shit that happened, and then BBC went back in house, and Pharrell, who I had became close with during this time, 
you know, was like, there was a lot of waves of firings, mm -hmm. and every time I'd stay. <laughs> so you I, were never in your cubicle. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. no, be, <laughs> they couldn't find me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, they couldn't find me to give me my, my release notice. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I ended up finding out that it was Pharrell. And Pharrell pulled me to the side one day and was like, they're, they're not going to fire you because I told them that you're the only person I want representing the brand. Wow. Well, what did... Mind what, you. What was your relationship with even before that, though? I didn't have a relationship with Pharrell. I had a relationship with Pusha. Mm -hmm. um, and you knew him through Malice. I knew him through Malice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got closer to Malice. I don't like to call him Malice. Gene mm -hmm. or no Malice. Yeah, but yeah. Um, because as, they used to perform at all the sneaker shows before there was a sneaker thing. Like, they were the first... Travis Scott crowd, yeah, right? Right. Um, so I used to be uh, at all those actually, shows. Actually, you want to know what? Travis Scott is forever. You know, <laughs> he's eternal. Okay, yeah. 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 I'll buy that. <laughs> um, so I used to go to these shows and like me and me and uh, No Malice had a friend in common from Virginia who lived in Brooklyn and that came up in conversation one day and at that time Pusha was kind of like a dick. Um, <laughs> Pusha is kind of a dick. He's a really great guy to yeah. most people but yeah. like to people close to the net, he's mm. more of a dick. Wait, how come you call Malice Gene, but you don't call him Terrence? Terrence. Yeah. I call him Terrence when we speak, mm -hmm. but talking to you, I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say push it. Oh, because of your listeners are gonna be like, "Who the fuck is Terrence?" Um, well, but, now if you tell them, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna continue to say push it. <laughs> I say Gene because, oh, I say no Malice because he preferred to be called right. That. Right. Yeah. Um, and I respect his wishes. Um. Because he's scarier than anybody, by the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Though you don't want to fuck with him at all. Wait, who are we talking about now? <laughs> pick. You pick. Uh, no malice is yeah, actually yeah. really is not. A, he's not the. He's not the person you want on the other end of the stick. Like, right. He's definitely not to be fucked with. But, um, yeah. So like, I, we had a friend in common. So at that time, like, we I'd be in the green room or backstage, and like me and No Malice would talk, and then Push would be somewhere, or whatever. Um, but he recognized me. So then, at when I started working at BBC, me and me and Push re, like reconnected. He was like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, you see my brother all the time," and we came really close. Um, like again, I had known him for longer, but we became really close during that time. And he wanted me to do some stuff with play clothes for him, and he wanted me to uh, help him with Cream, which mm -hmm. is his boutique, his boutiques in Virginia. And, um, so we, you know, we got really close or whatever. And then that's the time when No Malice started stepping away from music. So me and his relationship got a little further apart. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I had so many cosigns through BBC and through Push and through Rock that Pharrell kind of gravitated towards me. And Loic was like, yo, this kid, he's the one that kind of makes sure that the brand is represented well at stores. You and are you saying? Mike to them or are you upscale Vandal? No, 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 Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah nobody calls me. Uh, <laughs> Terrence calls me Michael to troll me. <laughs> like, he'll call me at 8 in the morning and just be like, Michael, why, why are you doing this, Michael? Why? And he'll just troll me like that. Uh, yeah, what, everybody what have you done by 8 Mike. in the morning? Like, <laughs> He wakes up every day at 8 in the morning. Man. Yeah, he's at the gym at nine he's very diligent but he also goes to sleep at like 10 30 so <laughs> 9 30 he's the only one that does hostings like a hosting at a club and goes right to bed real right rap after. yeah real rap you would think right yeah, you'd yeah. be like yo we popping bottles <laughs> none of that shit he goes right to bed he goes right to sleep so in where the does, car sometimes even though you have all those tvs for him to watch <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, I go to the extra mile for him. So, so when do you become upscale vandal? How does that so come into your life? Upscale vandal was always the the thing I used for socials because it was like that's who I am. It's a dichotomy of 
um, wanting the best and the luxuries and knowing the better things in life, but coming from the Vandal side of things, yeah. right? So it's very that, Ozone Park. Yeah, that juxtaposition is who I am, um, upscale Vandal. So um, that started from when when we started doing the the bracelets and the shirts. The stores were like, you need a brand to call us by. You can't just say, yo, this is this kid from Brooklyn who's making these. Sh-. Just call it Michael. Yeah, yeah. just, yeah. just call, yeah, it's call them Michaels. Yeah, it's um, a it's a craft store. Yeah. So then, um, so then I was like, man, I was trying to figure it out, and we came up with that, and that was like what we were tagging them as, and then uh, what I used for the socials, and mm-hmm. um, that kind of just stuck. So then I became so my following was growing a lot, you know, because of the shit I was posting. I wouldn't post my face. I wouldn't post myself. Really, I'd post sneakers archive clothes friends whatever shows would you still comment on people's shit uh not really man i was really aggressive at the time because um the internet is still a pretty new new thing to me as as digital as it may seem i am mm-hmm. um i don't i'm not an internet guy man like i was like the second year i was on instagram i paid somebody i'm not lying four hundred and fifty dollars to find somebody's address <laughs> so i can go and smack the shit out of them for saying something on my instagram whoa yeah did it work no yeah oh and i have it on video yo how much can we pay you to do the same yeah uh it's well, like no, we know mayno yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, nah, you got it yeah yeah, 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 yeah. now nah, you yeah. got it you yeah. good yeah. mayno doesn't need the uh to find it he, yeah. he smacks everyone yeah. <laughs> um um, nah, man, like, yeah, that was dumb. That was such an ignorant time <laughs> in my life because I didn't realize, you know, you grow and you 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 come from somewhere where your name means so much. You know what I'm saying? My name means, my name is all I have. Like, you know, I've realized that and that's why I'd rather do what I do now for a living than having the street, the street side of it because, you know, I'd rather go somewhere and instead of paying to get a table and paying the rate price because I want to pop bottles, I'd rather them give me a free table because they respect my name. You know, and that's what happens. That's the difference. And that's, that's what I try to preach to kids from where I'm from now. Like, fuck all the extra shit, like buying your way in. Like, it's the respect and the way that your name holds, the way that your name holds. And, um, you know, you want to go somewhere and don't want you to be there as opposed to like you're paying there. So they have to they have to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, it. the Internet to me, you know, is kind of like the matcher, like the, the space where people you know, are allowed to kind of really be themselves. And that kind of goes too far off every end. And, you know, I, I realized I recently had a conversation with somebody because, you know, I've changed so much and I've grown throughout the time. And, you know, somebody was like, man, you know, you get so much hate, you get so much love comments. And I was like, yeah, I get a lot of hate comments too, but um, I leave them there. You know, I'm one of the very few people who like when people comment crazy shit on my page and, um, you know, make fake pages to do all this shit. Like, you know, that happens to people with followers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the very few people that don't block them. I don't delete the comments. I leave them there. Mm-hmm. And I leave them there because it's pe- like it's kind of like a a painful thing for the people who are doing that to leave them there. Right. Because imagine you Well without without a response. Yeah. I mean sometimes I respond, but I respond in a way that I know is going to hurt them even more. Mm-hmm. Because like imagine you're a 27-year-old man. I don't right. have to imagine. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, pick because you're living well. But picture yeah. you're a 27 year old man, and your insecurities get the best of you so much that you take however long it takes to make an email, mm-hmm. then however long it takes to make a fake Instagram, then you spend time of your day to go on some other man, another grown man's, and some of these guys have like kids and girlfriends and like. And then you go on another man's social media page and right, to leave, come to Brazil <laughs> to yeah. leave how you really feel. Right, yeah, that shit must be 
sad, man. Right. Like, and I leave it there to maybe hopefully like one day those people that leave, go back and be like, damn, this nigga didn't even say shit. And like, man, did I say that? Like, maybe it's like a it's like a mirror. Mm-hmm. And like they be like, fuck, I'm kind of bugging, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and if not, like you know, at the end of the day, too, man, one of the things like the the internet really isn't ever turn real i mean we see the the situations where like people stay stuff on the internet and then there's like a scuffle about it but that doesn't happen enough and that's how you know that it's not ever going to to materialize into something because nobody ever laid a hand on me mm. you know and nobody will lay a hand on me without a repercussion from what really comes from that but the internet is like a festering ground for that type of energy you know what i'm saying so like the, the 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 beginning phase of my social media thing, I was like, let me disconnect myself from this shit so that people don't think it's a fucking game. I'm not approachable. Do not come to me. Do not try to say no funny shit. And like I said, I paid this kid. Is a kid in my neighborhood who does uh he well, he used to work at Apple mm-hmm. and he just like he, he hacks. That's what he does. He hacks Bitcoin and he you know, all this other shit. Oh, so he's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, he's doing crazy. Like yeah. crazy. He's like that's what he does. And he I was like, yo, how much can you uh, how much would it charge me for you to find somebody for me? Like, if I give you this information, he was like, "Give me two hundred dollars." So he was like, "It's like he was searching and it was just not enough, and the guy didn't post that much or whatever." Mm-hmm. And then he finally caught a geo tag, and then he like linked it to like a bunch of other pictures, and he did like a little uh, search for those pictures. This is and, like twenty four. Yeah, he literally <laughs> he did was that. your Chloe. Yeah, so then I did that. Um, nah, so like you know, we've sat in front of people's cribs and like Pusha would call me like, "Yo, are you stupid?" Like you like a Michael? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Michael. Well, follow up question: Are you? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. That was really stupid of me. Who knows what I would have what would have happened? Like I've sat in front of Marcy Projects waiting on somebody. Jay Z? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, don't you find that most people who comment shitty things will never ever say it to you in person? Like that's what of I've always. Of course, found. but yeah. that's that's yeah. the point I'm trying to make. Like I'm risking my freedom. Mm-hmm doing something to this, prove a point to prove to, a point to somebody that doesn't that really but, is a fan yeah but but we agree that it's stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah, yeah no I, i'm like why I'm am i arguing you, this yeah, yeah i'm not there anymore <laughs> right i'm not there anymore but you know right that changed, was the thing but that yeah. was the thing and that's why i didn't post myself but now it's like i post me I, i'm smiling it's all good yeah. you know what i'm saying but i've learned and i and, I, and it's important for me to to say that because i want kids who are grow, going through that growth process so they oh yeah i fucked up too i still fuck up I still do it. I'm still looking for somebody. There's still some. There's still somebody mm-hmm. who I want to. Who I'm going to smack the shit out of when I see. Do you want to shout error? them out now? No, <laughs> it's cool. You know what I'm saying? But like, these are the things that you go through, and like, I'm human. Mm-hmm. Like, we all have our faults, and we all have our things to learn from. And the more, that's why I post about everything that I do because if this little, if this phone is the window for kids to be like, this is my only rubric, this is my only example to follow, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna give them the most honest version of it. But don't you feel like? I'm sure you get these comments all the time where even though you post what you do, mm-hmm. nobody knows what you do. Yes. No, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's my number one thing. Yeah. Nobody. And then, and then this is the, this is the biggest problem with it is that at first I thought it was like, this is great because it allows me to separate who's really engaged mm-hmm. and who really I can use to build a network of people around and who doesn't know shit and I don't even want in my circle because the person that doesn't really know what I do is not engaged enough and they're not paying attention and they're not asking the right questions. They're just looking at the glitz and glamour. They're looking at that I'm backstage with push or that I'm da 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 da. You know, they're not really engaged. And those are the people that are, I don't want to be around. But it's becoming a problem because, like, you know, as me and Cam are trying to grow this company and, you know, it's hard to find people that really know or that or that kids that like are willing to put the work in that comes with it 
because it's yo what i do man it's a fucking 27 hour a day job like it's wild like too I'm, many tvs too many hours <laughs> yeah it's like I, I it doesn't stop you know what i'm saying but um yeah no kids don't know what i do and it's um you know i'm kind of at a crossroads now trying to figure out if i should be more clear and vocal with that or if i should just continue on the path it's been working for me or if you should just do less and then therefore <laughs> they're right any then they're yeah. right right yeah. um yeah but no uh you know but for you guys you guys know what i do yeah Oh, what you do? Yeah. Do you guys know what I do? Okay. So I thought I did. And then yeah. I read an article and I was like, I don't know what he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally <laughs> What did you think I do? I thought that you were... A stylist? I, well, yeah. I thought that you worked, Um, you know, that, that you would pull pieces and be like, hey, like J Balvin, you should wear this and this is what your uh, line yeah. should look like and all this stuff. Yeah. And then it was like the headline was like, uh, not a stylist. <laughs> oh, no. You put up a, an Instagram post and you were like, I haven't been a stylist in 10 years. <laughs> And I was like, and then gonna, that article you're talking about, the but headline I was like, is he's going to he turns from stylist to a consulting agency. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. no, that's when I figured out what you do. But uh, yeah. but it was like th- that was 30 minutes before you came over here, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say you're a consultant. Is you that guys were, you guys were cramming? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I was like, um, <laughs> you're, no. you're you're a consultant. Yeah, so um, you're a fun sultan. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do is um. While I was at BBC, I started, I co-founded a brand called On Noir. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that brand kind of catapulted everybody in the who's involved, my partner, Curtains, mm-hmm. Rob Garcia, Jason, everybody who co-founded us, four of us, catapulted us into an entirely different stratosphere of recognition in the yeah, fashion no industry. You know, we won GQ Designer of the Year. No big deal. Yeah, we won, you know, CFDA Awards. No big we, deal. We, Whatever, We yeah. were also um, um, the first designer brand to be added to the Barney's uh, designer floor just in another monday it's whatever heard of yeah, it yeah. you know we did collaborations with hove beyonce um everybody just some light shit. work yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah, yeah. regular shit yeah. you know what i mean but um but what do you do <laughs> yeah. so now nah, like but during that time i realized that what i was learning in sales and in marketing can translate to a lot of people um so when i left rock um and the brand kind of took a lot of different shapes. We ended up selling the brand for different parts. And then it just, it, financial things, bumps and bruises, and we learned. But um, wh- what ended up happening was I was like, man, I don't ever want to work for anybody again. Um, I want to be my own boss, and I want to own something. So I started a consulting agency that focuses on lifestyle marketing and brand development. So basically, if you come to Upscale Vanda Group, if you come to our company, um, we can cr- we can pretty much do anything for a brand ideal from a to z so like you know one of my first clients was a brand called tacma who no longer is a client but they you know i was on retainer with them for two years and we built that brand pretty much from the ground up like the brand had an image and some designs and people in play but uh, my man danny victor brought me on board my entire agency and uh what we ended up doing was built out the entire thing from digital strategy to social media marketing to their actual design production everything we built out um same thing happened and then once you know and then working alongside pusha he told me how i can implement those he taught me how to implement those same things to a music career so we started doing musicians and we did pushes you know we helped with pushes roll out a bit on the social media side then we helped with some adidas stuff on the digital side um you know then you know uh balvin came and so you know we've worked with pepsico we've worked with google i've worked with um you know all the sneaker brands stores i mean right now we have a seven client we have a seven client roster on retainer Mm -hmm. um and we've you know we've worked with over 30 um like 
blue chip companies. Mm-hmm. Talk so about you're like a stylist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a corporate stylist. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, so yeah, I just that's what we do is we 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 bring ideas to fruition. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we that's what we specialize in. We specialize in a very core consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like for example, if somebody wants to get some hot, they come to us. Talk about talk about knowing your worth and and the reason why you you wanted to work just for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, no, honestly, it, it has nothing to do with my worth. It has to do with the fact that, like, I have a vision for what I want to see the future like and the kids that I inspire and what I what I see that the position should be. The reason I'm so and the people don't know what I do on social media and I give so much access is because I would have never got in trouble if I would have known how much opportunity was available in the things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. If when I was 16, somebody told me, hey, you like sneakers, right? You don't have to own a sneaker store or know how to draw to be in the sneaker industry, meaning design or whatever. You can do lace tech. There's somebody who gets paid 180 grand a year who literally all they do is pick fabric for laces. Like, they went to college for textile. Like, if I would have known that when I was 17, I would have never gotten in trouble. Mm. I would have never done anything besides figure this out. And I have two nephews who are trying to figure it out. One of my nephews goes to school for fashion business, you know, and like, but you wouldn't want that. I mean, like, I understand, like, you know, that that the thinking would be different. I mean, and and maybe you wouldn't have been in the streets, but you're not the type of guy who would just be like, oh, you want to know what? I'm going to be the lace guy. Mm, I might have. I think you. I think you think bigger than that. Um, no, I might have because I don't know. I, I don't know what the lace guy would have could have turned into. I could have created something that was, you know, revolutionary. Right, in the that lace industry. guy consulting group. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or like invented the new lace, right? Mm-hmm. Like the one that auto laces on every shoe or something. You know, I agree with what you're saying that my ambitions are greater, but I wish I would have had a more strategic approach because I would have got a lot quick i got got to where i wanted to go a lot quicker mm-hmm. you know and i, I don't want to put a time on myself but like i know that if you know i would have known that these opportunities existed i would have capitalized way earlier <laughs> you know i would have beasted on motherfuckers and that's why i'm trying to rush to do so much now right that's why i have my hands in so much right now like because i'm trying to catch up for lost time and in that same capacity learn more so i can give more back to kids you know i, I don't know if you guys know but i was teaching a class in the bronx yeah at highbridge um, yeah at, in hybrid shout out to a boogie mm-hmm. yeah you know what i'm saying um i mean he wasn't in your class but he, he was, was no he was yeah. he was in your class yeah don q was my what? understudy no i'm just playing oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no but um, yo it's so easy to like just spread bullshit by the way like, <laughs> yeah. you should just, all like, i have to do is just look at you yeah yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 no i did that it's a very trusting face <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, i'm a salesman so you like yeah, yeah. i know how to get it off already <laughs> mm-hmm. um no but yeah um you know i taught these kids in hybrid the the business of fashion and it was really hard because you know what people don't know about the inner city man is like you don't know how much these kids don't know like half the kids in my class didn't really know who Jay Z was. Well, they're also young. But I'm, that isn't. That is, I mean, it's not an excuse. You're from I'm New York. Saying, yeah. Like yeah, that's you, a problem. That you is have a problem. to know who Jay Z is because he's not. A, it's not about his rapper. It's, it's for, a different borough. He's an icon. Yeah. <laughs> he's an icon. Yeah. And you should know who icons are, and um, not because of their music or because of becoming a fan, but you should know what they built so you can know what's available. To also, Jay Z reveals a lot of himself on this new album, Four Four Four. that on yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, Rock Nation hashtag um, Paper yeah. Play hashtag. You know, <laughs> Uh, bet on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I should put the, the little beep, 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 beep after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, nah, but um, yeah. So like, I was teaching these kids, and I was like, man, I've never taught a class before. Um, you know, how do I get these kids to engage? So I was like, man, they all love music. 
So what we did was I sh- I built a record label in the class. They're called Finesse Nation. I let them name themselves. <laughs> and by doing that, I was able to show them what I do because I was like, all right, now we have to do all the things that go around an artist. Mm-hmm. And they're like, like what? And I'm like, marketing. They're like, what's that? And I'm like, all right, well, you see when you guys bought A Boogie's last project and they had this these T-shirts that they gave out? Like, that's marketing. And I, you know, I gave every everybody in the class different roles. Mm-hmm. So there was a marketing person, there was a digital strategy person, there was a stylist, there was so they all kind of got them to, how to finesse. <laughs> yeah. And they basically all uh kind of, you know, there's an artist in the class, his name is um uh Dante, uh, who was like I guess one of my favorite students, you know, and he was was the main artist, but he was the also the hardest working kid. He did his own part of everything, right? Yeah. So like, um, you know, and that's how I was able to teach him that. And I, I'm gonna try to re I'm gonna I'm rewriting the curriculum to do it again uh now in the fall. Shout out that's to That's awesome. Shout out to Highbridge Green. So now now having been around all the guys Biggs and Emery and Jay and Lenny and everybody, what does it mean thinking back on on your high school room with, with all those posters <laughs> there? You know, uh, as as you guys know, as, as a salesperson, you're never supposed to be at a loss for words, but it's really inexplicable. It's hard to explain the feeling of um, seeing these guys who I idolized. You know, I have, you know, I had a conversation with Biggs and we recorded it for Nike, where he's like, you know, you're the future of this. You, I'm passing the baton to you. And Emery has also t- told me that, like, you know, I represent something for them that's the future of what they what they would want the kids that grew up on them listening to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, so carrying that shit is like, I, you know, it's finally like I know I was doing something right, but it's like finally like a stamp of, like, all I'm missing is the rock chain. Yeah. <laughs> like, once I get that, I could probably, I'll be happy that's to retire. Yeah. 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 But everybody feels like that. Of but, course. you know, but I mean, having that cosign in it, but. The one thing that I, I I really really have been focused on as of recent and it's happening and it's like we're putting something out officially is like, you know, there's a there's a as much as an honor it is there's a there's a big weight to carry with that because I also want to make sure I represent because there's a lot of kids that don't remember that or don't know that legacy and it's very important for me to carry it on the right way so it it puts me in even a bigger box of constriction because I don't want to slip up because I represent somebody and people that are so prestigious that I can't dirt their name you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's not as easy as it looks like oh yeah i'm you know i'm the future of rock and like right. that, that and it's like nah you know the future of rock comes with a lot of responsibilities you know it's like spider-man you know what i'm saying like <laughs> um there's a lot of responsibilities to carry and you know people look at you a certain way you have to hold your hand a certain way you have to shake people's hand a little different you have to smack people you know when they more talk often, shit yeah like, exactly 150 dollars you can get somebody else to do it <laughs> you mean to find them for yeah, you yeah. i still smack them <laughs> uh, but um but yeah you know it's important it's important man that's a, like it's a big thing to me you know i'm representing a, a, a crew of people that um um you know built the the foundation of what i think is the culture right now the the hip-hop cool culture the business culture motherfuckers didn't really want to be entrepreneurs until them right mm-hmm. you know like and and i don't know if it's is you guys well, are, also didn't know they could be right no i mean i think a lot of people thought it was but i, th- I thought a lot of people thought it was corny because mm-hmm. when you thought entrepreneur you thought suitcase you thought uh tailored suit waking up at 9 a.m and they showed you, nah, you can wake up at 12 and smoke a blunt and be with a model and fly, hop on a jet. And that's in, in, that's, your, in your sweatsuit and the and, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's how I carry my shit. No, I have meetings with, yo, I have meetings with, <laughs> I won't name my clients, but I have meetings with companies that are like Fortune 500 ranked. You know, I sit and I'm sitting in a room with seven executives that are all on the Forbes list and they are all in, you know, 
Italian suits and I'm in Jordans and jeans. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to explain culture to, sorry, the culture to, um, to these guys? It's who impossible. May not, yeah. And I, I, cause gave we've up. had like those crazy meetings where it's like, where they want to buy you out. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, but, but also like, um, it, where, where people, you know, they, <laughs> they don't catch the references. Yeah. yeah, of course. And you try to crack a joke and they're like, nothing yeah. or anything. No, um, I, I, I gave up. I don't do that. I don't do that. I tell, you know, it's very clear. You came to me because mm-hmm. you guys don't have an understanding of what's going on there and you have a consumer that you have to reach. Marketing, the reason I love marketing and the reason that I, I shifted a little bit of gears from sales to marketing, and we still do sales at the company, but um, marketing is creating a language between a product and a buyer. That's what marketing is in its essence. And if a company hires me that doesn't understand that language, and needs me to be the translator, that's fine. But they have to give me free reign on how I write that language. Mm-hmm. And that's the only type of clients I'll take. Mm. I don't take clients that are like, hey, we want to reach the Latino consumer. So let's slap J Balvin. I'm like, no, nah, fuck you. Yeah, right. you are not slapping J Balvin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know a guy <laughs> who can find where you live and I'm going to smack the shit out of you if you do that. Nah. But, um, also, because you know, he wears glasses. Right. You never smack a man with glasses. Right. Um, which is why I wear glasses. But. <laughs> To keep, I thought you knew Mayno. <laughs> <laughs> also, because my vision is terrible. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Um, no, but like you know, that's that. Like you know, we have cli- I have clients that do that shit all day, and I'm like, nah. I can make the Latino community respond to a Pusha T campaign, mm-hmm. and I can make the urban community who doesn't speak Spanish respond to a Balvin campaign. It's about writing the language. Well, just tell your entire plan right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just. Lay but it I'm out. just saying, like that's what it is, and like you know, when I sit with companies, they have to give me free reign to do what I do because I can't. Me trying to explain to them before is counterproductive. Mm-hmm. You guys don't know this. You guys know business numbers, sales, product development, whatever it is, colorway, whatever you guys, are, whatever you guys are selling. That's what you guys know. Mm-hmm. The consumer base that you're trying to reach, mm-hmm. that that you called me to help you with, you don't know. So I can kind of give you a roundabout of what they are, but let me handle this. Right. You know, because I, we're going to lose time, me trying to tell you, hey, did you know that, you know, using these euphemisms is actually racist? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, it happens, you know, they, they show you ads and they're like, yeah, if you fuck, I'm not saying that. Like, right. I'm not setting, I'm not sitting next to a company that says that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... How many Bape pieces from 10, 12 years ago do you still have? All of them. All of them? Nah. No, nah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, um, my house is very crazy. Like, I'm actually about to remodel for the third time because I don't have room. Mm. You know, I have maybe like, I've probably got it down to like 500 pairs of sneakers. Oh, oh God. Um, good. Yeah, something reasonable, right? Yeah, yeah sure. So I, 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 you know, it was crazy. It was like in the sevens and eights. But um, do you, I mean, well, first of all, what happens to the 200 pairs that you no longer have? I give away, I sell, uh, you know, like, <clears throat> I know reseller kids that like live off that. Mm-hmm. So I give them to them and let them make money off of them and give me back whatever. Like, I don't. But you're not going to like <clears throat> Salvation Army and being like. Nah, because I think Salvation Army, it, it goes to like a random group. I'd rather give it to people that I know are going to appreciate it and use it and. Um, but yeah, I give away me. I mean, if you guys knew my friends, you'd understand because they're all wearing shit. Like, <laughs> like, oh wait, I know you lived on this guy's block because those are his. You know, these are his Tim's and his, right. his yeah. old Bay hoodie. I mean, there's, we're friends. Yeah, there's yeah. French Montana us, looking yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, um, yeah, I try to pass on as much as I can. But I also archive a lot. I don't honestly, I, I hoard a lot of clothes because of what it means to me and like being able to go back and find the print. 
excuse me, and when I'm like creating stuff for other companies, I'm like, yo, you guys should do this old Lon Vaughn jacket or this old Dries Van Noten jacket. And they're like, oh, can you show us? I'm like, I actually can. <laughs> Let me go to my storage. Right. You know I, mean? I didn't take any pictures because but I don't like showing my face. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's the piece. That's funny. Do yeah. you have that? Do you have that Jamal Anderson jersey anymore? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think the only jerseys I have are like ones that um. Uh, or a 3XL <laughs> yeah well, are like like nostalgic to the era mm-hmm. that's it other than that um, you have any yeah. pastel pieces no I'm not I'm not I don't know if you guys know I'm not the hugest Kanye fan ah yeah yeah even I, though I'm pretty vocal you work with your friend Pusha yeah Terrence <laughs> yeah that, I mean I mean that's what that's what makes men men right the fact that they get to have their own opinion yeah um, I think that Kanye is a genius mm-hmm. and I think what he what he's done for hip-hop culture lifestyle culture is immeasurable mm-hmm. um, but as a person and as what he's done also um, and his actions personally I'm not the hugest fan I'm a big fan have you of met everything him? of course yeah, okay. yeah a bunch of times um, and I, of course, I have the ultimate respect for him yeah, as no, a no. person. You just leave like mean comments online. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Never say anything I just to his create face. another page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and then say you fuck Kanye. No, um, oh no. What God, I, I love what you do. <laughs> big fan. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And no. Um, um, again, and when I say you know, again, I'm being honest in this in the sense of the energy around it is what, him as a person. He's a great guy. He's amazing. Um, very, very nice, cordial person. Mm-hmm. Um, when he wants to be, I guess to certain people have sure. other opinions, but, yeah. um, but the thing with me is, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but one of my biggest like inspirations and icons, people I've actually tried to model myself for is Don C. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because now that I'm kind of cool with him and we're friends, um, I still geek out over him and we're like not, you know, it's weird for another grown man to geek out over another grown man, right? Generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And there's somebody that's not like an artist or celebrity, but like to me, Don C and the Don C's of the world are the reason that people like me have a shot because we don't have a specific talent that's like measurable that says, hey, you can put up 30 shots or you can put out three solo albums or whatever. It is. Our talent is being who we are and it's creating a beacon of lifestyle and culture and there was always that guy on the block and in your neighborhood that was that guy. And now that guy has a position that he can point to and say, I can be this. Mm-hmm. I can be a Don C. And even Or I can Virgil, be a Don, see? Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Um, Bars. Yeah. But like those people, right? Those people to me mean a lot more to the, sh- to the journey. And obviously, I don't think, and I think if you ask Don, Don wouldn't be um, where he is without the help of Ye. Sure. But in that same reverse, I don't think Ye would be Ye without Don. I think Don. that's no, very true, um, too. And, like, I, I always used to look at the... It's like Biggs, right? It's like you look at the pictures of Rock, and there's certain people that are going to be like, wow, Jay-Z. And there's going to be people like, who's that quiet guy in the back that's not saying anything, but he's always in the room? Mm-hmm. That's who I was. I was mm-hmm. always like, who's that guy? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, with Don, it's the same thing. Like, I used to see pictures of Kanye, and it was cool. Like, everybody said, yo, look at Kanye's outfit. I'm like, nah, but look at the nigga that's right behind him that looks kind of like Arabic, but he's black, but he's (laughs) Spanish, but he's, like, light-skinned, but he's wearing the sickest outfit ever. Mm -hmm. And that's why I geek out over him. And I think I'm very, I'm a big proponent of um, giving people their flowers while they can still smell them. Shout to Kanye. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But, um, you know, that's why I'm not, you know, I'm kind of vocal about me having more of a, focus and not putting so much focus on the Yeezy hype mm-hmm. and 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 kind of highlighting people more like Don like Virgil like Ibn who were just as instrumental in the journey to mm-hmm. the to the yeism you totally know? where were you when you uh when when Beyonce sent her verse over oh shit um we were at a GQ photo shoot um we were at a GQ photo shoot and 
somebody in, I don't know if she wants me to name her, but somebody in Beyonce's camp FaceTimed me and was uh, playing me the reference. And like, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is actually going to happen. You know, this is crazy. Well, and how like, long was it in the works for? Three weeks, two weeks. It happened fast, man. It happened fast. And it was like, I still can't believe that shit. We pulled <laughs> that off, man. Like, shout to Beyonce. You know, I may be like, you know, I've had connections with Beyonce because of the brand, because of Al Noir and through Hove. And, you know, uh, I made a pair of sweatpants for Hove. And I left him at the office. And he's like, he came in the next day. He's like, yo, I was like, you got the pants? He's like, yo, I'm just too tight. Be like, <laughs> you know, I make them shits bigger, man. Make me another pair. And I'm like, okay, there goes $2,000 down the drain. <laughs> right? And then the next, no, two days later, Beyonce goes on Instagram for Michael Jackson's birthday. And she's wearing a blazer, the Michael Jackson hat, and our sweatpants. Oh, shit. She took them from him. <laughs> and she was wearing them like baggy. And I was like. That's the best mistake in life. Ever. Like, ever. ever. Yeah. <laughs> and she just joked. And then, like, you know, she came back to us and we made her a special color. And um, so we've had those connections, um, but I've actually never got to, you know, work or anything with her. But then I got close with somebody in her camp, um, again, who remained nameless, and we we're really close. And that shit just happened quick, man. And it was like, I couldn't believe to be a part of it. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. And, like, the craziest part about that is that the song released – after the Puerto Rico thing, mm -hmm. Puerto Rico, um, sorry, not the thing, sorry to the people of Puerto Rico, the devastation and the hurricane that, they, that they're facing, that they faced. Um, we, were in, we were on tour with Balvin in Houston mm. at this, yo, there's this venue in Houston that's like the most trap Spanish club ever. My man from Houston, Xavier, was like, he works for rap a lot, and he's like, yo, I, no black people come to this side of town. Mm. It's not friendly over here. Like, cowboys... Mexican cowboys with shotguns, like in the parking lot, mm. and there's like this place is so unorganized, but it's the energy <laughs> is undeniable. It's actually a club; it's not a venue, yeah. mind you. An artist of J Balvin's caliber performing in a club is crazy. Like, but this yeah. place was packed to the brim, and we can sell out seven nights in a row if you mm. want to. <laughs> we get there. Balvin's flying in. I was on the bus that night, and because I had to do something in the city before, so I was on the bus. Balvin flies in, and he's about an hour late for the show. No big deal, though. <laughs> the record drops 30 minutes before he's supposed to hit the stage. <laughs> Nobody in the crowd knows yet. And we're all on the bus like tears. Like, <laughs> fucking, yo, and she posted it, and we're going crazy. Balvin pulls up. His eyes are like red. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, yo, you ready for this? Like, we're about to, and like, I'm like, yo, cue up the shit and have them play the intro. We changed the whole set list. Yo, we went out there. No lie, I've only felt that energy twice at a show. It was the I Declare War concert when mm -hmm. Nas and Jay made up. Yep. And like I felt the floor move. Yo, this club, no lie, when when that Beyonce shit hit, everybody comes quiet for a second. <laughs> and was like, they were wondering if it was like playing Beyonce. And then we played the video with her. You oh know, my where God. she's like yeah. spinning. Mm -hmm. Done. Yo. Like, never That's her felt. city too. That you're That's in. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like it was her city. The night of the record dropping, nobody knowing, Balvin being like, you know, it was it was something I'll I'll go to the grave with, man. That Amazing. shit was awesome, yeah. Um another question is uh twenty eighteen is coming up, obviously. Yeah. I mean if we get there. Right. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> we might not make it. Yeah, we might not make yeah. it. Um what do you uh see happening? Um, you know, uh either in, in fashion or music or, or streetwear or something that, that you think is like on the horizon? One thing or just a movement? You can talk about whatever. 
Uh, man, so much shit, you know, in 2018 is going to happen. I think... Push uh, is finally going to drop his album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, man. Time is a luxury. Mm-hmm. You know how you know how nice you got to be to tell a label or to tell your <laughs> the people you just got to wait till this shit is ready. Mm-hmm. That's a luxury, man. Rappers can't just take a two year hiatus and chill and then still have the people ready. And it's gonna smack when it hits. Mm. So yeah, push is coming, and it's gonna be crazy. But um, I think uh, twenty eighteen is gonna be the year of like uh of independence. You know, I think that I think that we've been taking like leaps and bounds. Um, you know, and I'm working on this project with uh with my my people, my partners uh. RPM group, Renee and Lillette, where we're building a new structure of business for creatives. And uh, I think that what we saw in the past two years, as far as like people taking things into their own hands, labels changing, streaming, um, brands becoming, you know, independent and developed a different way. Um, I think 2018 is going to be a huge thing for that. I'm starting to meet with people who want to create, you know, different ways of selling merch, um, you know, different ways of pricing things digitally. Um, and I think 2018 is going to be a big year for independency, like people doing things on their own and, and it killing and people being able to pot, like buy it directly mm-hmm. and pay for what they're getting for. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's what I think 2018 is going to be about. So you can finally get Jay-Z those sweatpants if you want. <laughs> I'm, I, it's crazy because I, the the time before last that I saw him, um, you know, when I what I love about Jay's style is like I don't think he lets any trend dictate anything right he always like sets it and he's like this is what I'm gonna wear so like everybody's jeans has slimmed up mm-hmm. Every, everybody's no mm-hmm. matter who you are some people too much right <laughs> and then when I saw him he was wearing sweats these rock sweats and they were like a little snug on <laughs> and I was like yo if they was leather, you would have complained to me though. And he was like, ah, like, man, like he gave me that like chuckle that he gives everybody. That's like, ah, like you funny, you made me laugh. Like here's a billion dollars. Yeah, no, I was playing. But um, no, but yeah, like it was funny. I was like, yo, them, if they was leather, he was like, ah, and yeah. You know those J moments that people have that you like. It's really nothing if you just say it's not J. Right. Like if right. you were to tell your homeboy something and he's just like, ah, you're like. <laughs> asshole like say something right, right. but if it's jay like ah it's like then a it's like big, big, great. it's a headline yeah yeah, yeah 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 you guys you guys have met him right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and have he given you a, has he given you like a moment or yeah i i interviewed him for um for rolling stone a couple of times and i thought i thought i was gonna throw up because i was so nervous to meet him <laughs> yeah. and then as soon as i like even like came near him yeah, his like, energy is his crazy, energy is crazy. no like, no, no. everybody just, everybody anybody you will ever speak to you know, and the only and I always tell people this is it's insane to me that like the only two people I ever can say were my role models mm-hmm. was Jay and Pharrell, mm-hmm. and I worked <laughs> with both of them, and I'm cool. And it's just calming just around them. No, like what do you mean? Well, I mean with Jay, I w- I was so calm. As no, soon as like I Pharrell. No, nah, Pharrell. Pharrell is like it's a, it. His energy is insane too, but it's like he's a lot more of your friend. Mm-hmm. Jay, no matter how friendly he is, he's still like. Like this energy is nuts. Like yeah. you feel like nervous. Oh no, I didn't feel nervous. You oh. didn't. No, I, uh, I, everybody I, I, I know. I feels felt nervous. nervous for weird people. I felt nervous for Cash Out. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But with uh, we met Stevie Cash w- Out. That, from <laughs> yeah. Cash Out, Cash Out, Cash Out. Don't with Cash Out. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. I'm talking about like. <laughs> Remember, uh, uh, kind of around my neck, you know, yeah. I'm cashing out, you know, kind of around my wrist, I'm cashing out. Yeah, ca- Cash Out, Dope Boys Cash Out. No, 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 it's a different one. guy. Dope Boys Cash Out is Detroit. We're talking about the guy from Atlanta. Yeah, Jeff was nervous out. about Cash Out. I was no, nervous listen, about I love him, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you know who that is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you know your hit. music shit, right, but right. Like, he had a number one hit or whatever. <laughs> no, but, but like he has some other records I'm going to send you. Yeah, no, no. Crazy. Yeah. Okay, after that, yes, he <laughs> sort of went away. And then like 2012, he was doing those records and they were amazing. Anyway, yeah. I felt very nervous for him. I, you just gained like 10, like. 
you got to step it up on the on the on the trap music knowledge <laughs> <laughs> because that's impressive. Like I was going to tell you, me and Pusha have like battles about who's going to find the next real trap artist, mm-hmm. and like he always wins because he listens to a lot more music. But like Wait, Cash Out, but is I a still sleeper. think you're talking about Doughboy's Cash no, Out, I, and they're from Detroit. No, <laughs> th- they got robbed. No, right, no, right, listen. correct. Cash Out. If you go back, Cash Out was called Doughboy Cash Out. Uh, D-O-E-B-O-Y mm, Cash Out mm. And then he shortened it too. And then it's just Cash Out, cash out. Yeah. yeah But okay. Doughboy Cash Out Is the same guy we're talking about The, yeah. the kids from Detroit I don't even recognize <laughs> Okay That kid is ill yeah. And yeah anyway. How was that interview by the way Can I ask you that Can I ask you a yeah. question Yeah, yeah, yeah of course How was yeah. that interview What do I care um, yeah. That was uh, It was good it, we, we did it for MTV The Cash Out one Or the J yeah. one Oh, the J one? No, the Cash Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, who wants to hear about J? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the Cash Out one went fine. It was, <laughs> it was great. It, I forget we because we would do these MTV interviews and we would ask like funny questions and like sort of like throw people off their game. Yeah. And so I remember with Cash Out we were gonna do something and I was so nervous. Like I I get nervous for like when I when I know like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to do something. Mm. Um, like we did this thing with with ASAP Rocky a million years ago, and I said I said you might have an eye problem. Everything you see is purple, so you might have an eye problem. And I was like, uh, how many fingers is Jeff holding up? Right. And then Eric holds up four fingers, and Rocky's like super confident. He's like, he's like I think he's holding up maybe like four. four. And I go, thing is, I'm Jeff. I'm Jeff. I'm Jeff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like, but like even before that, like it's just like you know you feel this yeah, nervous yeah, yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. But I felt very nervous for Cash Out. For Jay Z, it was a very calming thing. Right. And he laughed at everything I said. He was just like, and and it, it was like the best moment ever. Like, yeah. It, it's surprising though because most and this is, I'm talking about other celebrities. Yeah. Have told me like other friends who are artists are like, man, you around Jay is just a different aura. Yeah. It's just a different energy. Like he walks like. Like he's Jordan, mm-hmm. you know. Only thing is Jordan's a dick, and he's not. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, also, yeah. better jeans. Yeah, <laughs> way better, way better jeans. But not by that much size. <laughs> I'm just playing. Hope Yo, he doesn't hear this. Mike, Mike, we're thrilled that you came up here. No, thank you. Mike. We're, we're honored that you told us exactly what you do. Although, you know, really, we could have just called three one one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have. And, and, and listen, I definitely would have gave you guys a, a better interview if I would have known how much you know about cash. <laughs> Yo, but so uh, no, thank you guys for having me. Um, I think what you guys do is ill, and, and um, I'm a big proponent. I don't do interviews much. I don't know if you guys know that, but yeah. I try to stay away from that shit because it's like whatever. But um, I'm a big proponent of people who do, who are passionate about what they do, and you guys have always taken it a step further. And I think I didn't know you guys wrote for so many other people, but I also don't read that much. <laughs> so um, yeah, I did all, I did most of my reading in jail, so I'm yeah. all for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about our podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to know where they can go get their tickets to our next live show happening on January 10th, 2018 at SOB's here in New York City. Jeff, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, buy your tickets today. They will be selling out soon. If you want to go to listen to any of our episodes, new, old, whatever, go to A Waste of Time with It's The Real on iTunes. You can also go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time. You can always listen to any of our music on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Tidal, Tidal, Google Google Play. Play. (laughs) Yeah, all the services. We are there. Search for Teddy Bear Fresh by It's The Real. If you want to find us on any of the social media networks, we are usually at It's The Real, including on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Jeff, you know this podcast is not going to get any bigger 
unless our friends, family, and fans promote the fuck out of this podcast and tell all of their family and friends and fans about it. So, we know that it starts with us. We like to shout out all of you guys to spread the word. Jeff, who do you want to shout? I want to shout out Ka, as in good guy Ka, on Twitter, who says that the Q&A episode made him appreciate us Mm -hmm. even more and shows how much we care about our craft that is pretty awesome so shouts to him yes jeff i want to shout out all the people who left comments on the instagram that we put up with our friends naomi and phil and rembert and scotty and jinx the year-end episode instagram that i put up the other day people saw us down in our stupid winter wonderland lobby and commented about it so i want to shout out dj yanni ugly new york mensa the dj tech and music fan randy jana all day mitchell bailey anthony marcus Trankowski, it's a charles and daniel to Topoli, all of you guys for jumping in our comments and leaving great ones for us Spread the word about this podcast. Get your tickets right now for our next live show here in New York City at SOB's It's The Real.com. As always, Jeff, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. This episode of the 12 Days of Podcasts of A Waste of Time with It's The Real has been sponsored by the good people at Def Jam, who tonight are dropping Jeezy's Pressure on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, and on JeezyShop.com. Go listen to the bop that is The Life featuring WizKid and Trey Songs, produced by Cardiac. Jeezy always gets the best out of his features, and we get the best out of these 12 Days of Podcasts. Tomorrow, we have Carly Hustle.